Welcome to Big Questions and Games. This is our very special GDC recap episode. Uh, we talk a little bit about what happened at GDC and uh, what are the big questions that the industry is talking about. I am Kelly Wallach, and I am here with my co-host, Seth Sivak. Hi. And uh, yeah, I don't think that we actually need too much of an intro about this and uh, just talking a bit about what our experiences were, what people were talking about, what it was like to be back at a live event, and just kind of doing a big overview of like what are... What are people talking about and what's happening? Yeah, I mean, GDC was a great week. And on top of that, I think we have a really great conversation here on all the all the big the big hits, what's currently going on in the industry. So it's a little bit of an update, I think, um, for, for kind of some of the broader topics that we might dig into in individual episodes coming in the future. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I think we'll, we'll keep it short and we'll just hop right in. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about GDC, which is the, the Game Developers Conference, which is held in San Francisco at the Moscone Center. Uh, and this is the, it was basically the first event that got canceled from yep. the pandemic. Yeah, because PAX East happened, which is in Boston, and yep. that was like early March. That was actually, my birthday's on March 1st, so like my birthday was happening at PAX <laughs> East. Um and I did karaoke with friends, and that was like the last the last party that happened. That was it, the <laughs> last hurrah. <laughs> yeah, before the pandemic. Um, and so GDC hasn't happened since 2019. Yeah. And and Dice happened this year, uh, which was in Las Vegas, and that that's a, a kind of more smaller, I'd say, like high level business, very business, focused, yeah, yeah, focused event um, that people went out to. But I feel like GDC was kind of the first big like coming out situation for the for the whole industry really um, yeah yeah so we, we thought it would be good to talk about our experiences there and what that was like and you know events in person things and, and moving forward from that because um, it was a pretty big i'd say stepping point or you know uh, for the for the industry yeah and there's been some digital i mean like you know gdc yeah, sort yeah. of did a digital thing and but yeah. this is the first time we actually had you know developers kind of like and I was amazed the number of people that just came from all over the world right yeah. like and there was you know there was a good number of people who who did the did the full trip to you know both you kind of expect it from some of the biz dev focused people but actually like true developers um yeah. you know like people that are that are um you know like that's that's not you don't really see that as often uh, or we haven't seen that as often right um you yeah. know, kind of come back and so this was the first chance to do it and you know, took place all week. I, I ended up catching COVID, which was unfortunate, but fully fully recovered now that we're, we're a couple <laughs> weeks afterwards. Um, yeah. But you know, it, it was it was interesting to to also be thinking about this on on the heels of um, of E three getting canceled. Um, yeah. You know, so E three was gonna you know they were kind of gonna do they said they weren't gonna do an in person thing and then they were gonna do like a digital thing and now they're kind of doing nothing. Um, so kind of there's this overall question of just like what's the future of those sorts of events you know i know that actually pax east is happening this year oh, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. and so that is something that is you know be interesting to see what sort of what, what kind of comes back and we, we e3's always been in a interesting position recently because it sort of tried to straddle the line of what it used to be which was like a very you know sort of like press focused show to yeah. now trying to bridge into a more consumer focused show you know obviously gdc is neither of like neither of those things because um, yeah. it is because yeah. it is very industry focused but um it was just interesting it's interesting to to kind of think about where um you know what what the future of some of these events really look like and who benefits from them right like gdc i think 
is a mixture of of you know i i i uh did i moderated a panel as well as gave a talk this year um which i usually don't do that much stuff at the actual uh show and then i did just like lots of meetings throughout the throughout the week and it was mostly mostly for me meeting with you know kind of like the core um uh sort of like triple a publishers i spent a good amount of time talking with some vc investors and also just kind of peers and friends that i hadn't seen in a long time which was nice i also met a couple people on the proletariat team who i'd never met in person before so that was (laughs) nice um uh, but I don't know what your week was like. I mean, you you were obviously really busy because you had to you had to host the IGF awards. Yes, congrats yes. again. That that seemed to go awesome. So. Thank you. Yeah, I I honestly like had such a fun time doing it. Like I I, I was kind of nervous on and off and you know spent all this time preparing for it and it's been at some point I was like I just can't wait for it to be over because I feel like I had been working on it for like months um but really like as soon as I got out on stage it was just it was just fun like I just had a great time I did my hair and makeup and had all these kind of like little funny gags uh that I feel like you know turned out really well like spent a bunch of time with the um, production team trying to get the timing right on like when does this video show up and when are these pictures showing up and um, so you can act, there's a uh, recording of it uh, on the GDC Twitch channel um, that you can go back and watch it. So you should check it out because you can see uh, funny pictures of me from when I was in college, one where I had a mohawk, <laughs> some of my uh, art portfolio, <coughs> quote unquote, <laughs> that I drew. Um, and then I, I uh, graciously, Darren Korb uh, agreed to do a, a funny video with me for the audio award. And that was super fun. So. Uh, and you can also, I, I guess I won't spoil who the winners were, but there was one particular team <laughs> that got a lot of, got a lot of awards. Um, yeah. So it, it was a really, yeah, it was, it was a fun time. Um, but yeah, I mean, even aside from that, like to go back on a couple of things that you were talking about, about, um, just the events stuff in general. I mean, I think in the lead up to GDC, it wasn't clear to me if people were really going to go or not. Like in January and March, everyone was like, it's going to be canceled. And then around DICE, I think people were like, oh, maybe I'll go to GDC. And then like the week before, I felt like everyone everyone is like, last minute, I'm coming to GDC. And yeah, like I ended up seeing like people that. there who were like not, uh, not sure if they were going to go. For someone who ran events and production work for a decade, it was stressful in a way that the other events haven't been because like I would have booked things six months in advance you know I would like like booked rooms or like a place to have a party or you know the these things or like meeting rooms and stuff like that and everything was just felt like it was just happening very last minute uh, which in some ways was a little nice there was less stress about deadlines like even on the GDC side for stuff with the IGF awards like it, it was very much like okay initial script is due on this date and this date and this date and this time it was a little more just like just do it just make sure it's done before you show yeah. up because like it's been hard to stick. It's been hard to plan ahead for anything during COVID because of just like the pace at which things are changing and the pace at which the world is changing and just strain, you know, every, like just so many random things crop up. It's like, okay, now we have supply chain issues. Now we have this. Now we have that. Now we have a new variant. You know, now there's like a new war. You know, it's just like <laughs> there's like a thing. <laughs> there seems like there's just every other week there's like a new thing um, that makes planning ahead uh, pretty difficult. So I'm, I'm like, really proud of what the the GDC team I think pulled off on the kind of a logistic side you know for not running an event in a few years and of all of the time you know changes and deadline flexibility and all that I feel like like logistically I felt like the show went really smooth um there was like long lines to get in for COVID checks when you were registering yeah but I felt like that kind of came and went and there was also like you could skip the line if you had used the clear app and like all of these other sort of like things, but I, I appreciate yeah. that they 
were really strict about making sure that people were vaccinated and then also like um, doing rapid on-site tests and and things like that. You know, I, I, I think, you know, I know of a handful of people who got COVID afterwards, but I don't feel like it was like a mass event. Um, also, just to note, the numbers in San Francisco were pretty low by the time that GDC was happening, which I think yeah. coincides with like historically what's been happening with the variants kind of coming and going, you know, and dipping down a bit in the spring and the summer, uh, which is a little surprising why E3 canceled um, because they're during the summer. And I have a little bit of a like kind of theory on on that. Um, but I, I think, you know, maybe just to like state this in case people don't know it, my understanding of the history of E3, like you said, with the press stuff is that it used to be held in the summer because when you were doing physical distribution, you had to make the deals yeah. in the summer so that you would have time to be able to physically manufacture and produce the stuff that you needed to make for the end of the year for the holiday season. Um, and then once the shift to kind of digital distribution happened and that became less and less important, uh, like you said, they started kind of moving to more consumer facing uh, event. And then it became so expensive and it wasn't clear what the return was for these big companies. So then Nintendo started doing like Nintendo Direct and then, you know, Microsoft was doing its own thing. And it kind of became this like, like, yeah, like what is the what is the purpose of E3? Um, and I kind of wonder if that maybe just E3 isn't going to happen anymore. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on a podcast. I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, like in the last couple of years, um, it definitely has been because, I mean, like Sony, Sony was the big one that pulled out, right? Like they didn't have like yeah. any presence. And, you know, EA's always kind of done their own thing. They haven't been part of it for a while. Microsoft does sort of their own thing at the Microsoft yeah. Theater, which is like yeah. right across the street. Um, you know, but everyone, even though people might not have been present like on the show floor, there was still, it was still a time where kind of the entire industry came together to do yeah, a whole do series meetings. of, yeah. well, both meetings, but also like announcements, right? It was like yeah, basically yeah. usually it would be like several days, like a week or more of, you know, a couple of press conferences a day where you had major announcements, right? Um, and so there's there's still appetite for that, right? I th- we'll see if it's kind of like Jeff Keeley's thing or, or whatever. Like someone, yeah. you, you kind of need someone to help kind of organize this that's almost like a, yeah. like a, you know, an independent, right? Because <laughs> you need someone to basically play traffic cop, right? You need someone yeah, to yeah. sort of say like, hey, this is when we're going to do this stuff. Everyone can announce this stuff at the same time and, and kind of coordinate it. And that, that way it makes it a little bit easier for, for press and other stuff like that, right? I think for for a while now, it's been, um, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see because I, I do think there's still demand for that. Like, as far as demand for, like, a consumer show in downtown Los Angeles, like, I, I don't know what the demand yeah, would be yeah. for that. Um, but I think from an industry standpoint, you know, shows shows like that for, for a team, for, for someone like me who lives on the East Coast, it's, it's pretty valuable to go to shows like that on the West Coast because I can yeah. usually get, like, a lot of meetings in all in a row that I would have to spend a lot longer um, meeting with folks um, yeah. uh, if I try to do those all as like a one-off. But I do think that there is demand for for announcing all of those things, getting people excited for what's going to come in the fall, right? And, and kind of a, a way to to communicate all of that stuff. And it just, I, I always enjoyed the press conferences, even though like they were too. a bit over the top. Like they're just, they're, they're, they're kind of fun to go to. Yeah. And I don't know, it's energizing. It's like fun yeah, to, you know, the... I've been to the to the Microsoft one a few times in in person and stuff, and sometimes I can't make them because of just like conflicts or, or travel or whatever. They're but, always very the Microsoft ones are always very <clears> early <throat> in the morning too. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like normally I'm like flying out there during that time or something. Yeah, but yeah. you know, I was in the audience for the um, for when they uh, when they brought out Keanu Reeves and like that was really fun. Like oh, that that's was like cool. a really that was like a really yeah. fun um, uh, like one to be at. And so you know, I hope it doesn't go away. But I I, I do think that 
um, you know, overall, I think GDC, to your point, though, did show that, like, logistically, you can figure it out. And I think some of it was yeah. them kind of taking a, uh, I don't want to say, like, a more relaxed approach, but certainly a more flexible one to, like, you know, because as someone, so I was actually, you know, I'm an advisor for um, for the Free-to-Play Summit, and, you know, I was trying to to navigate getting this panel together and we had you know up until the last minute people being like hey i'm not sure if i'm going to be in person or a remote yeah, or if yeah. i'm gonna or if i can make it or if i can't and because there were some people who were especially if you were coming from outside the country there was like sort of always shifting yeah travel you know, restrictions. like travel restrictions yeah. and stuff um and so i think they did a really good job doing it i think like in the in the actual conference center everyone was wearing masks people were being pretty good about that from yeah. what i saw um i think it was a little bit um you know i think that that my my personal case of catching covid probably came from like a dinner because i was in like went to several large group yeah, dinners yeah. um but i think it's um i think that they did the best they could and i'm excited for the vault to open up to see a lot of the content like i've heard about some really great talks and so i think there was a you know a number of a number of great you know talks that were put together that that i'm excited to yeah. go see so yeah yeah and i think you know they we had like all these contingency plans too with the igf awards of like we had people record you know, every, everyone records a like, hey, I might have won the award, uh, like video. <laughs> yeah. And then we were keeping track of who actually registered and who was in person. But then we also had to have somebody like a staff person go around to see if they physically showed up or not in case like somebody caught COVID the night before or couldn't, you know, registered, but then like couldn't make it to the awards for some reason. So there was like, and they're, you know, we're going to like signal in a different way if like the they were supposed to be there, but then they weren't. <laughs> so it's just like, you know, they had really like, thought through um being flexible about like what you know like how rapidly things might be changing and and like you said i think uh, and this was even true i feel like at dice um i think most of the cases of people getting covid or being more lax about wearing a mask and stuff were at like dinners or parties and stuff like that and i just kind of didn't really spend much time at things that were super crowded um that you know felt like that might not be safe um, or if I attended stuff that, you know, like try to keep the mask on if there were a lot of people around and if not, um, you know, but I think, I think generally it felt like, yeah, pretty good. Um, and yeah, I'm curious to see, I, I didn't get to go watch any talks basically, or go to any of the actual like conference stuff, which normally I would like to, and there's a handful of sessions that I, I really enjoy going to. So I am like looking forward to, to the vault access yeah. as well too. Um, to go back real quick on the E3 stuff, um, yeah, I, I think that from like a consumer standpoint, having this like, hey, these, these are all these announcements. And from an industry standpoint, having something in the summer, I think is nice because there kind of isn't really, there's a lot of stuff that happens from like January to March or April and then not much and then Gamescom and then a handful of shows in Asia um, kind of in the fall. And so I think industry-wise, like the timing is also nice to have something that kind of like is mid-year to just catch people up on like what's going on and have an opportunity to have new meetings. But I kind of wonder if from like a company standpoint, yeah, like do you want to share announcement time with a bunch of other companies? You know, is that is that building the hype or is that like stealing the hype? And like, because now I feel like there's kind of announcements all the time, you know? Well, there's definitely, think, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it feels a little like kind of the same thing that I think that is just happening across like just all media is there's no kind of like shared cultural moments really in the same way that there used to be because there's not like everybody tuning into the same channel at the same time to watch the same show at the same time as everyone else, right? Like, you know, things get released on Netflix or something. And, you know, I think maybe that's just like kind of part of what is 
organically happening when we have access to media at all different kinds of times is that it is really hard to just create a one giant shared cultural moment like that anymore you know yeah yeah. and i think you know to your point i think that the the big big companies they won't have you know they can all do their own stuff right like you know like call of duty does their announcements blizzard has blizzcon you know like i think you have you have um, Microsoft and you know Sony has their states of play. Nintendo has yeah. their kind of stuff, and so they're all doing great, kind of just like going direct to consumer. And I think they've they've sort of understood that that's the path they want to take. I think the downside actually comes from the smaller studios being able yeah. to sort of take advantage of that. You know, one of the things that we benefited from because we were for a while when we we were a really small studio. We were um, actually when we were even like not not so small. We we were co-located <laughs> with Harmonix, and it would be like oh. You know, a reporter from the Wall Street Journal came to do like a you know a thing on on Rock Band Four, yeah. and like we got a chance to talk with them too because they just happened to be there, right? And yeah. so like I feel like the challenge will be not from the folks at the top, but even some of the some of the more like mid tier or below, right? Like, could you get you know can you drive the same amount of coverage for like the PC gaming show that typically takes place during that time? You know, yeah. which usually has kind of more less like tr- sort of like true AAA like you know kind of like giant yeah. announcements and or or even some of the, you know, some of the other companies that end up, you know, it's probably a lot more work for a, I don't know, like a Bethesda or, or a, like a Square Enix or a Bandai Namco or something like that to put together a press, you know, like a whole yeah. whole thing um, where they, they probably don't have full teams that are doing it several times a year. So, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I feel like it's, um, <clears throat> it it is, you know, Gamescom has definitely moved to be much more of a, you know, like it's usually good timing for that. I think the Game Awards is weird timing in December <laughs> to do like yeah, announcements yeah. just because like, yeah. you know, you're basically, you can basically only announce that a game's coming like well ahead of time at that point just because, yeah. you know, or do the shadow drop where like you announce a game and it's out immediately. Um, yeah. You know, just, it's sort of like a weird timing in, in December to be doing it. But, yeah. Um, yeah. And it, I, I think it's a good point that you're saying about the small and mid-sized studios and this is i mean literally like the foundation of the mega booth right was that like we were bringing visibility to small and indie teams inside of a larger event um and tying ourselves to a lot of other like larger things and that that was part of the the reasoning or the reason why is that it's just it's incredibly hard to get the same numbers of people to show up and the same visibility and press and everything for something that is that is only indie focused um, you know, and we did things like Bit Summit and ran like a mega show, which was like an individual um, event for the mega booth. And it's just like you have to grow that audience over such a long period of time. And even then, like you're not going to get the same numbers of people that you can kind of incidentally like pull off of or draft off of, you know, that are looking for like the next like giant Sony, you know, title or Bethesda title or, or you know, the giant AAA announcement. Like you're just not going to get the same kind of visibility in the same kind of eyes. And so like, I agree. And actually, as you're saying that the only really ones that I can think of are like Devolver who started right. doing their, their own little like E3 announcement things, which were cool and fucking weird. Yeah. And like very Devolver. So, yes. so if any Devolver person is listening, I think you guys should, <laughs> you should run an indie announcement thing. Um, Cause I think that's one of the few, there's very few things that I think can really pull the same kind of visibility in that way. And I do right. think it's it's good when indie teams work together. Obviously, you know, at the Mega Booth, that was like our whole thing was that if everybody pulls together and, and does something like that, you know, there is a higher chance of visibility. But you still have to have it kind of tent pulled to a couple of pretty big, big enough announcements that people are going to really want to like tune in for it yeah. and see what's going on. Um, you know, and maybe now there's there's opportunity, um, uh, you know, maybe Jeff Keighley's thing kind of takes over the, the E3 spot or maybe E3 spends some time 
thinking about <laughs> what they really want to be, you know, what they want to focus on and comes back next year, like kind of redesigned and getting to start a little bit fresh um, from where they were before. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, but I think that, you know, I will definitely miss out on the opportunity to do, you know, some of the some of the meetings and other stuff. And that was definitely yeah. something that I spent a lot of my time, you know, I, I other than unfortunately, I, similar to you at GDC, I didn't get a chance to really watch much. Uh, you know, yeah. I was I, I moderated a panel and then I gave a talk. And beyond that, I didn't really spend any time in the convention center because I was mostly yeah. doing lots of meetings. Um, and, uh, you know, we can we can dive into some of like the, the high level topics yeah, that yeah. were kind of talked about there. Um, yeah. I think the, the first one. Uh, which is actually great news across the entire industry is just like everybody's growing. It just there yeah. is like just tremendous need for for developers for content, you know. And I think we we touched on this a bunch in our in our M and A episode where we talked yeah. about some of this stuff. But you know, between all of the new entrants coming into the space and other things like that, it, it um, there definitely is a ton of just just demand out there. And I think it's it's a good time to to be sort of like either, you know, building, building new games, making new content. Yeah. Like there's, there's multiple sources of funding now. It seems, it seems good. I think that, you know, almost every single team I talk to, they have like lots of open roles and we'll, we'll, we'll touch a little bit on how hard it is to sort of like hire yeah. and retain talent. But, um, but I think that was really positive. And it seems like, you know, especially some of it is, I think, COVID impact and the fact that people are playing more games, but it was some of the other factors that I think we touched on in that previous episode that is just like putting a, a groundswell behind all of the momentum for the industry at large right now. Yeah. And I think that that's, um, and this is kind of across the board, like both like independent studios, we've seen multiple this year, independent publishers that are just kind of focusing on publishing smaller games and as well as like big games. Like, you know, I know there's tons of demand for, for sort of like games in the AAA space, especially when you're looking at like the, you know, 20, 2026, you know, 2027 yeah. timeframe right now. I think that there's a lot of push into how we, you know, like what the pipeline looks like past the next couple of years. Um, and so it's great. It seems like a great time to be, to be, uh, to be making games, which is, which is good. That yeah. was generally the, like, you know, the overall, my like, top level sentiment I think I had from folks I talked yeah. to. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I mean, it was nice to, to have actual conversations with people and see it in person and kind of get the feel and the, and the vibe. Um, you know, of that energy and of what's going on and the growth. And, you know, I, I think, I don't want to say it's a downside too, but, you know, I think because there is so much volume of funding and new eyes on the industry, you know, from like other uh, entertainment mediums and the Web3 stuff and all of that, I think it feels a little like, I think some people feel like their heads are spinning, <laughs> you know, especially yeah. folks who have been in the industry for a long time, you know, like uh, I've been in, you know, over 10 years and there's a, a, a bit of a feel of this that I, I know it gets compared to in the free-to-play era, but it wasn't on the scale that it's it, that it's happening in now. Um, and even just like the, like I said, like the kind of injection of capital and uh, of new tech and, and things like that that are, are coming in as well, too. I think for some folks, it feels a little disorienting, um, just like how fast and how quickly things are changing and how much money is just getting kind of like thrown around and thrown, and thrown around to, I think, some some things and teams and stuff that, that seem confusing <laughs> to people who have been in the industry for a while. And so I kind of, I, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole on this, but I feel like it, I think some amount of the backlash to the Web3 crypto NFT stuff, I think is actually is coming from that as well too, where it's like, if you've been making games for a long time and you understand how it works and you've been 
through the kind of like the dry spells of there's no money, there's no way to get funding, you know, and you're kind of just like bootstrapping yourself along uh, for the last, you know, five or 10 years or so. And then you just see giant piles of cash getting dumped onto people who have no idea what they're doing. Um, you know, I think it can feel a little like, like frustrating or um, disorienting or kind of confusing or scary in whatever way. Um, but, you know, on the, the flip side of that, you know, more types and kinds and games of people and stuff like that I see getting access to funding and investment and publishing that never would have even been able to get a meeting, you know, five or 10 years ago, um, or wouldn't have even been able to exist. So, you know, I'm still on the kind of like the rising tide floats all boats uh, situation with this, but it does it does feel a little bit like chaotic at the moment, almost um, just from the, the, like, just how fast it happened and how rapidly it happened. So I felt like a a handful of conversations that I was having with people were around that feeling specifically, or just like whiplash almost. <laughs> it's like we went, we yeah. went from like no one paying attention to us to it just being like, how do you even get money to like mana is raining down from the sky? <laughs> you know? Well, it's interesting. Cause I feel like I've um, somewhat similar to you. Uh, like I've, I've lived through a few different eras and, you know, mm-hmm. kind of was around in the social game era, although I was pretty junior at the time. And then yeah. we started proletariat right when mobile gaming was really taking off. You know, we started proletariat about three months after clash of clans released. Right. Yeah. Um, and Cause so, you left, you left Zynga, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Zynga, Zynga closed. Well, we yeah. Z- Z- Zynga, <laughs> Zynga left you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. Cause I feel like the difference between those eras and the one we're in now is actually like, you know, in those, at those times it was sort of like, Hey, there's one vector that's really working. Where right yeah. now it's actually like many different vectors. Yeah. Like the number of conversations I had about people being interested in like AR VR and how like hey you know mm-hmm. VR is a real is a real market that's growing year over year into a position where now you can have you know multi million dollar revenues for games right and it's like yeah. you know an AR is, is an interesting thing that continues to push forward. We'll see if there's new hardware announcements later on this year related to that. You know so that's one we already touched on the Web three space like the the sort of um, the AAA space is doing really well, right? There's lots yeah. of demands for those types of games and especially in in kind of like building out what those, you know, like new IPs and, and sort of taking those risks. And then on top of that, there's just like indies seem to do incredibly well right now. Like yeah. there's more, more and more ways to sort of get indie games funded and to find, you know, between things like Game Pass and, and you know, I think, you know, what, what Netflix is trying to do and, and Apple Arcade, it's just, it's, it's all of these things working at once, which I think leads to that feeling of chaos a little bit. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, one of those I things agree. where you yeah. where it feels it definitely feels like the industry is moving faster and evolving and changing faster than it has in the past couple of years. And yeah. and I think it's some of it is to your point, kind of like the the you know, a confluence of all these things working and then the sort of impending waves of things like web three and metaverse and stuff like that, just driving in tons of revenue or tons of not revenue, tons of capital. Um, and, and that is, um, I think that's, that's also causing it. But like I said, across the board, it seems like, you know, I talked to some studios that are, that are in the, in the VR space and they're doing great. And it's one of those things, you know, when I talk to indies and they're doing great, you know, their sales are better than expected. And, And so it's, um, that I think is is part of the part of the challenge where you know in previous eras it was like hey the only, everything else is stagnant the only thing that's really working is yeah, like yeah, mobile is right thing, or yeah. whatever and it just yeah. doesn't feel like that right now and so it so it ends up being you know normally people can look up and be like we're gonna climb that mountain and instead it's like here are six mountains you can climb <laughs> and yeah. so I think that gives people a little bit of a makes their head spin a little bit on what they think they should be yeah. doing strategically yeah I I think that's a super good point and I mean this was even. 
I remember folks having problems with this before, especially on the indie side where you're taking a couple of years to make a game and like the goalpost has moved, you know, like the one thing yeah. moved. It was like, okay, well now nobody wants this thing. They want this thing, but you're already working on the first thing for the last three years. And you know, now what do you do with that? Right. Um, but I think you're right. Like there's just a lot of different avenues um, to be able to do this. Maybe this is kind of the same thing I was saying about like, like uh, the stuff with E3 and not having these like giant cultural touchstones in the same way. It's the same thing with fashion too. Like I was just thinking about this the other day. It used to be very, very clear of like, this is what is in fashion and this is what's not in fashion. And I think it's, it's you know, with how much uh, stuff is on the, the internet and just the way that people talk and think about things is there's just more variety and kind of like what you're allowed to do and how you're allowed to connect uh, with different audiences and find your niche and do your thing. So it's like, there's kind of general trends, but there's just like a lot of flexibility and like the way that you want to dress or the media that you want to consume, or, you know, maybe the kinds of games that you want to make or the way that you're monetizing them or the way that you're doing them. Um, it just isn't so strict anymore. And so, yeah, I think there's, there's positives to that. Um, you know, and the negatives being that it's like not clear, kind of what is the right thing but maybe that just means that there is no one right thing anymore which to me hopefully will lead to a lot of uh innovation and exploration and like what can this look like in the future you know not feeling so boxed in and if you look even further back not feeling so boxed in literally boxed in of like i have to physically <laughs> print my cd you know yeah. to like to get my game out to people or my cartridge or my thing or whatever, you know, and they, and the ways that you would get funding and get published where you could count it on a, on your one hand of like, this is who I need to talk to, to get this thing made, to physically print this, to put it in a store, to make a cardboard cutout of my character, you know, like all of these things that were just so um, strict and limiting, uh, especially as far as like accessibility for different kinds of um, expression and teams and things like that. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see because I think that there's um, obviously this could all change based on, you know, where, where the economy's heading and, and all yeah. the other like external factors we've talked about. But right now, it just feels like the industry is at a time where it's probably the least risk averse I've ever seen it. Like there people are just mm -hmm. willing to, to, to take risks right now. Yeah. Like they're willing they're you know, and, and, and I can't I can't tell if that's just the amount of capital that's available or, or what it might be. And that kind of brings me to the to the second note that I made, which is just the sheer amount of like venture capital money that's out yes. there, which I think is like it's a great time to start a studio. I think I did the math and it was something like three billion dollars has been raised in the last you know six to twelve months just focused on kind of like seed and and, and early stage, and yeah. and that's you know I think that's actually leading to some of the factors as to why um, you know why there's so much hunger for content because I think if you were at you know a bigger studio and you were the potential person that could kind of do internally start a new project or whatever, yeah. you're actually somewhat incentivized to like leave and go actually start a new studio. And so yeah. um, it'd be really interesting to see what that will look like in, you know, over the next couple of years as that, as that capital needs to get deployed. And, and this is where, you know, and, and talking with some of the investors, it's, it's a mix of like, some of them are really bullish and interested on VR. There's obviously like some that are really interested in the web three space. There's some that are really interested in kind of, um, almost like adjacent, like platform type stuff. Yeah. Like, hey, investing in, you know, investing in basically like uh, platforms that are figuring out ways to do game funding, um, you know, and, and and there's some that are just like core straight content, like looking yeah. for looking for great talented content studios. And um, so it doesn't seem to be any one specific thesis that is kind of overarching across all of them. It's just more betting on the entire category of games with a kind yeah. of, with the amount of capital that we haven't seen before. And I remember back in, in 2012, 2013, 
the number of VCs that I talked to that were like, nope, we don't do content or oh, you know, yeah. we don't do it, game bets because they're, it's all hit driven. And it's it, like, it was literally you know. laughable, like that a VC would invest in games, you know, like it just, there was a very small amount of them. And like, I mean, I even remember when I was first getting in the games industry, asking someone like, like, uh, like very earnestly, like, where do you get money to make games? And it, it was very, very limited, you know, yeah. it was like one or two options. And, and VC was one of the things that was just like right out. They were like maybe an angel investor, but like no way that a, like an actual VC uh, will get involved in putting money into games. And I mean, even like, you know, the one up fund that I work on with with Ed Freeze, we've been doing that for about like a little over three years now. And even at the time, just doing a purely games content driven VC fund was weird. You know, and that wasn't even that long ago. Um, and like you said, in the last six to 12 months, I mean, I feel like every time I, <laughs> I open the news, it's like $500 million fund, you know, raised for uh, stuff in the game space. And like you said, uh, it's across all different kind of philosophies of how this is going to get invested and, and what they think is going to work. And, um, you know, I, I think early on, I didn't know how I felt about VC investment coming into the space because I think my limited experience of it when folks would get involved would be that the VC was really pushing for like like mechanics and things inside of the game that they thought was going to be a guaranteed ROI. You know, it was stripping all of the kind of creativity out of it and a little more of like, can you get me numbers? Can you get me this? You know, very like kind of, I think, mobile focused feeling. Um, and like, you know, can we add in coins and do these sort of things that they think would make money because they weren't really understanding the process of how games were made. Um, but sitting in on more conversations, especially during GDC and DICE with Ed and, um, you know, talking with teams, I, I think, you know, there's some there's some benefits that I hadn't really thought of in the way that like an investor is, you know, kind of investing in the long term of your studio and the long term of the potential um, and of the team. And you don't, have to pay them back, you know, royalties when your game is making money this, the same way that you do with a publisher. And a publisher needs to be a lot more short-sighted in the sense that it's like per project and per like kind of an immediate return where like an investor, you know, is expecting to work with you for 10 plus years at a minimum. Um, and so I think it kind of changes the way that you're allowed to like make and create and think about your studio and, and games and things like that. And so, you know, I'm really kind of, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I'm like working on that a lot more now, um, but I do feel like it's actually a pretty good alternative um, to the publishing funding and other forms of funding. And, you know, and for indie studios that I've heard talk a lot about, like, you know, the idea is that you're independent, right? And does independent mean that you have creative control? Does independent mean that you own 100% equity? And, you know, I was always kind of getting advice and, and being pushed by people with the mega booth to stay fully independent. And I'm glad we did in a lot of ways, but, you know, I don't know what that was getting us really, you know, like, what did it mean for me to own the full amount of the company? Uh, you know, and, in, in another, and to look at it in another facet is that, you know, we had to bootstrap and it was incredibly hard. And I don't think that it's doable or reasonable for a lot of people to be able to do that or to fully fund themselves. And so being like a hundred percent, self-funded is like a really hard privileged like position to be in right like you need money to pay people and to do things and you know I, I don't I, I think it's a it's an interesting opportunity to like really think about like how do we fully compensate people working on things and make it financially available and welcoming 
to new people to start studios and, and to do the work that they want to do. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that like I, I fully funded the mega booth, you know, but like initially it was like pretty scrappy. And then we started existing off of sponsorships and all that, but we were basically fundraising like every six months and it was, yeah. it was hard, um, to do that for a decade. Um, and you know, like, <laughs> like an infomercial, there's gotta be a better way. <laughs> this, this, uh, this feels like a, like a big question we should just do, which is like, how should you fund your studio or game? Yeah, because I feel like I have this conversation a lot yeah. with, with folks. And so we won't dive into it here, but uh, you know, to your point, it's very different. Right. And like, I yeah. don't think that every game studio is a good VC investment. And I don't think every 100%. VC, even for the ones that are a good VC investment, I don't think that, you know, every investor is a perfect fit either. Cause a lot of it depends exactly. on what is their thesis? What are they looking to get out of it? And like yeah. a lot of those questions and similar to publishers, right? Like not every publisher is right for every project, but yeah. I think we're sort of seeing, you know, I was just having this conversation the other week with a with a with a group on kind of the different ways that people are fundraising right now, and and it's you know there's definitely venture capital, there's definitely still like publishing deals, although yeah. I would say that there's kind of a, a, a almost like a like sort sort of publishing thing now that is being done on, on like project financing direction, yeah. which is kind of like a hybrid a hybrid of like self publishing and and um, and project financing, um, and then on top of that you have kind of like all these different flavors of crowdfunding, which gets into yeah. some of the Web3 stuff and the way Web3 is being handled and that kind of thing. And so, but I, I think that the, the big takeaway for me was mostly that, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these venture firms are really looking for just, you know, amazing talent to, to start, yeah. start studios now. And they have probably the most coherent thesis that I had heard uh, in talking with some of these folks was just this idea, which we talked a little bit about, I think, in our, in our metaverse episode, um, was was really about the the idea that like games are future social networks and so that's why yeah. it's interesting because like he he this particular investor is not a traditional games person was much more on the consumer side before getting into this and was just like i've seen this before like this this to me looks like the future of social networks and um i think that's really interesting and i think it's an area that i i you know it's interesting to me maybe because i agree with it so it has some, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so my own biases baked in um uh but i think it just shows you know, just the logistics of what's going on. And I think this breeds some of the competition. I think that, that this money being available is breeding the competition for, um, you know, for, for content, for developers, for, um, for all of these things. And so it's, it's, uh, it's interesting because all this money I think is coming from places that are traditionally outside of games, um, yeah. you know, that are, that are, you know, a lot of these limited partners and things like that being interested in kind of getting more exposure to the game space. Um, but that, you know, Kind of brings me around to the to the Web three stuff, which we touched on a little bit, and I think we're yeah. going to do an entire episode on this. But to me, <laughs> it felt like you know there's there's this almost like inevitability coming to Web three. Like I I um I moderated a panel as part of the Free to Play Summit on on Web three, and so we had kind of some some skeptics and some true believers in that, yeah. and we just kind of talked about like what's the current state of it, and you know just as a full disclaimer that I also gave during that thing, but like, you know, proletariat's not working on a web three game right now. Like, you know, I think yeah. we, we, we see some real challenges and kind of where it is. And that's, that's the thing that was interesting to me is that there was this inevitability that it's going to happen, but I think it's kind of ignoring some of the major issues that we currently have with it. And, and the, the biggest one to me that seems to be the most glaring beyond the challenges around just like getting developers excited to make some of these games. Cause I feel like there's a yeah. lot of like negative sentiment around that yeah. um, is just like the platform challenge, right? Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, Valve, you know, Apple, they've all kind of come out and said that they're, they're not going to support these games right now. And so like, I, I feel like it, it, it considering the amount of conversations I had on web three, like everyone's sort of thinking about it and trying to figure out like, what is this thing still? Um, yeah. And so it feels like it's a little bit ahead or like earlier than, 
than where some of the conversation and discussions were, at least like the kind of kind of conversations I was having when when we were moving into the more free to play space, um, where it's just people that we're still looking for like the great examples of how this could be done and, and kind of fully understanding what it will be. But man, it feels like everyone is at least talking about what it is. And I think no one's really kind of stepping up to, to sort of figure out all those problems. It's just like, hey, yeah. don't worry, we're just going to go for it. And it's like, yeah, that, yeah. that to me gives me a little bit of concern on because it's sort of ignoring some of those key issues. Yeah, and I, I think, yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. And also, like you mentioned, we're probably going to do, gonna an, do, entire gonna do episode, episode, yeah, an entire episode about it. Uh, yeah, you know, I think there's there's a couple things for me with the, the web three stuff is like, I just, I think I always enjoy when there's an opportunity to have a conversation about envisioning the future. And that I think is what I find interesting about the web three stuff is just, it's an opportunity to talk a lot about like, first off a new technology. So just like web three, the kind of backbone of what that is and what that means, you know, the crypto stuff, which is talking about economy and money and value of things and perceived value, especially around like digital assets, which I think is going to just have to have more and more of a conversation, you know, socially as we move forward. Um, and then just like new ways of say like monetization or play or mechanics or whatever. I think you're right. You know, nobody has those figured out right now. <laughs> like, you know, I don't think that there's good answers to it. My my hope is that there is enough experienced teams and people that are getting funded in the space that they will truly be able to to have the right resources and information and experience to be able to find those answers and to figure out what those are. Um, you know, will that take a few years? Uh, you know, I think in the the meanwhile. I, I do have concern that the volume of kind of spammy, uh, scammy stuff might sour people on the potential of what could be happening in the future once it is really kind of figured out. Um, and I think that's a little bit of the, the stage um, where it's in now, which is just, it's like a high volume of nonsense, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> that is like, because yeah, the, the totally. only people who can put stuff out in six months or a year or whatever, or, you know, like, or just start dumping content out or not really or random ideas or whatever are not really like you know putting a lot of long-term thought um and care and ideas and stuff in, into what they're doing so yeah. i think that's a little bit where it's at now you know i do feel a little i, I think in person the conversations i was having with people were, were very nuanced and everybody kind of has a gray area where they're at with it whereas i think the perceived conversation around it especially online is very black or white and, and very extreme, I think, kind of on, on both sides. And it was it was kind of nice to to remember that people in person and in conversation tend to be more like nuanced <laughs> as humans um, than conversations that are happening online. And I was thinking about this is that like we've only as an industry had conversations about this online, like this yeah. at GDC and DICE were literally the first time really, aside from Web3 specific conferences where the industry was able to actually talk to each other you know, in, in rooms and have panels and do these things and have these conversations. So I'm kind of hoping that it, it maybe leaves more room for just conversation to happen. Um, because, you know, I think, like you said, it, it does, it's potentially inevitable, you know, and a lot of these things are happening and changing even outside of the game space, you know. Um, and so, you know, either, either as an industry, we're going to really look at it and address it and try to do the right thing, or we're going to, just let people kind of run rampant with it or shut down the conversations and it's going to happen without our input, you know? 
um, and I'd rather it be with our input, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I agree with you. I mean, my I, I try to be optimistic about this stuff, and I sort of I mean, I'm that. always optimistic. <laughs> well, I mean, I try to, uh, like, yeah. I, I, I agree with you that I basically, like, I, I think there's there's probably something here. There's probably something cool here in the way the technology works or, mm-hmm. or um, what the opportunities will be. But definitely right now, it's like that cool thing is buried under a mountain of grift. And yeah. I think like I'm not ready to go spelunking for it yet. Right, um, right, uh, yeah. But like you know, probably. But but I'm I'm still like willing to recognize that there's probably something there. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and I agree with you. I think you know, we'll we'll leave some of our more nuanced discussion on this stuff for for yeah. a future piece. But I I like I do think that a lot of the conversations I had with people was mostly like just still trying to figure it out. And I feel like that's, yeah, that's the thing a is it's people, a lot of people yeah. being like, hey, we're still trying to understand exactly what this thing is. Like, what yeah. are the opportunities and. Um, and I think that that's like you know for for me I think that's the right that's the right mode to be in right now I think it's yeah. I think it's like more of a like hey we have some stuff we need to learn like what do what does the audience want with this like what you know how is this going yeah. to affect the way we think about things and I think you know I'm not I'm not willing to any to give any specific like hot takes I mean like right you know right now we're like I said we're not we're not building anything in that space for, yeah. for proletariat like we've we've talked about it and we've looked a little bit at like, Hey, what, what is this? Like, what is yeah. this technology? How does it work? Cause I feel like that's just like the baseline of what we need to do to even like be part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but it's definitely, um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see, I think how things evolve over the next six to 12 months, because I think yeah. you're going to actually see, you know, the first wave of this stuff was definitely people coming from spaces outside of games, like trying to make games. Um, yeah. And so I think we'll see the first few, more like games experience teams trying to do something interesting with this stuff and and um and so hopefully that helps right but i think that there's until you until you kind of clean up some of the some of the grift right until you until you start start digging some, yeah 100 percent dig, dig, yeah. digging through some of that stuff i think it's just going to be it's gonna be really hard um yeah and so you know and and again like it's it's something that to me even though i mentioned before that it the uh, the, the kind of wider industry feels it's kind of least it's it's willing to take big risks right now. I feel like um, it's one of those things where the you know it, it feels like there's lots of folks that are even when you look at the big companies right like what Ubisoft did for example yeah, um, yeah. they're not willing to make like huge bets on this right now so they're they're willing to kind of like dip a toe and yeah. so they're they're going to take some risk in that way but but it'll be interesting to see the first couple of folks to try to take like a big risk to see if there actually is something here like is yeah. there something cool and interesting that the audience wants that actually is only something you could do with a blockchain because part of the challenge that I've always had is just most of the stuff that people talk about are things you yeah, can do. Yeah, you could already it, do. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that so. it's not necessary to do it. And and just to kind of touch really quickly back on what you were saying about um, people who have experience in the game space and uh, you know, the building social network side and all that stuff. I I think that there's just like a breadth and depth of experience to people who make games that just isn't available in other kinds of tech or other kinds of industry you know like people who make games it's it's hard it's it's art it's music it's science it's not science you know it's technology it's not technology you know like you have to like know and understand and kind of be a jack of all trades for a lot of different things and I, i think that you know, maybe that's one of the reasons that people are looking to the game space as the place that is going to make the kind of next, like the backbone of the next kind of form of entertainment and social interaction and all that stuff is because there's like, there's very few people in the world that I think are uniquely positioned to like take all of those kinds of things into consideration and understand like the psychology and the social impact and the, and the whatever, you know, it's not just some random person in a dorm room making a 
Facebook page, you know, or building Facebook or whatever the weird narrative is around that idea. You know, it's people that have experience in like a variety of, of areas and things that they like need uh, to be able to create something that is going to encapsulate all of the stuff that's happening. Right. And there's like very few people who can do that, which I, I guess maybe leads into the like keeping and retaining talent and finding yes. talent. And like, because it's like, it's hard right now. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely right one of the underlying, like the kind of last major, major yeah. area that for basically everyone I talked to. And it wasn't that, you know, hiring has always been a bit of a challenge. It's been tough to like find, you know, to find great talent. And obviously the fact that now a lot of, a lot of studios are comfortable with remote has like drastically yeah. improved their capabilities in terms of hiring and, and getting good people. The harder thing has been to retain them. Um, and I think yeah. some of that is part of it is just, I think the, the fact that there's, you know, a lot of these studios starting all the time. And so it can be exciting to kind of jump to the new thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, the other, it's definitely something where, you know, we're, we're seeing just rapid escalation in terms of, you know, um, compensation packages in terms of opportunities, right? Like people are yeah. able to go and make this leap to be, you know, a founding member of a new studio or in the first 10 or 15 people. And so that can be really interesting. And so I, like, I, I feel like any, any loss of momentum that teams have, like any kind of slowdown, if you're not spending a lot of time really trying to find a way to, um, you know, to think about your individual team members growth, right? I think that that's yeah. like the biggest thing that people are really, you know, at least at Proletariat, it's something that we look at all the time, which is just how can we, how can we be one of the best places in the industry for people to come and grow? Because I feel like that's the best potential option yeah, um, yeah. Uh, in terms of, in terms of helping to retain talent. I mean, obviously like compensating people fairly is absolutely critical too, but, but that to me was, was just most of the conversations I had with folks was like, man, like we had people who who we, you know, we didn't think we're going to be a risk at leaving who left. And, you know, and it's because, and we had, and we said like, you know, you, you have to take this offer. This offer is like, yeah, incredible. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're going to, you're going to like, we, we don't have an opportunity for you. That's like that right now. And, um, I think that that just goes for the sheer fact that we're just seeing so many new studios start and so, so much yeah. of this. And so I, like, I don't think that that's sustainable. Like, I think that we'll sort of see, it'll be interesting to see as we get into probably 2023 and maybe 2024 when we have a lot of the first wave of of the venture back studios sort of starting to come out and seeing like yeah, hey yeah. can they become sustainable businesses or or like you know do we have a bit of a yo-yo here um but that was definitely the you know one of the other pieces of undercurrent um and that's 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 one of the reasons why we've been so focused on the growth side is not only to retain talent but also it's just like growing people and getting them to move up in their career is really valuable. Like growing an internal manager or someone into a leadership role is like awesome because it's so hard to get and retain yeah. thick leaders across the board. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have the individual personal experience of that right now, but I'm hearing it a lot from teams. And, and one of the, I mean, Indies have always had this where it's like the work environment or what you get to do with your time or, you know, like the studio culture and stuff like that is, is the selling point, not so much the salary because they've never been able to compete with salaries for AAA stuff. But right now it is like ludicrous. Like I've yeah. heard people like wanting to leave, you know, just to, to start working at a new, like a new startup or something and getting like 50% pay increase offers I mean you know or or doubling or so you know it's just just like wild um you know I think it's it's great you know across the board as far as like uh you know it being kind of a uh 
you know, employees market or however you want to, however you want to say yeah, it. It's good. Um, you know, I think it, it's good. Um, there's so many factors, you know, there's been the COVID financial hit that people took. There's been really crazy inflation. You know, I, yeah. I listen to a lot of just like, I, I don't know why, I guess I'm more interested in economics than I thought I was, but I listened to a ton of economic <laughs> podcasts um, that like talk about this a lot, you know, which is actually part of the reason that inflation is growing is because people's salaries and pay, you know, it's just, it's kind of like going into this whole, um, there's a lot of facets, you know, that are just external to the games industry that are also playing a part in this. Um, but generally, you know, I think it's great for workers to be able to like, negotiate for better work environments and to be able to kind of up and leave and do the things that they want to do and start up studios and move between jobs. But then, yeah, it's also from a studio perspective. Now it becomes like, just like critically important that you offer fair, fair and good compensation that you offer fair and good work environments for your employees that you really think about culture, you think about growth, uh, like, you know, with people inside of the the company being able to like learn and grow and move into these higher roles and feel like they have um, that opportunity that they they can be there. So I think it's like a yeah, it's a combination of a lot of different things. I think it's also like an interesting time. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't I don't know anyone really who's not hiring right now. <laughs> like yeah, everyone's I mean, hiring. I, I think on top of that, a lot of people are just getting you know hit up. Even people that are happy where they are now just getting hit up by recruiters. Oh yeah, getting headhunted. Right? Yeah, um, yeah, and and you know I think it's. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where 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 things go, right? Because I think it's yeah. this 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 leads to how can we be better about getting more talent into the industry, kind of across yeah. the board, right? Like, yeah. what can we be doing to increase the pipelines um, for some of this stuff? Because it's definitely you know if you look at the deficit we're in right now, I think it's something that the industry should be talking about more. Which is like, yeah. how can we do more? The industry's always had, at least in my experience, sort of like a weird um relationship with like with like higher education institutions and yeah, things like yeah. that and there hasn't been as much of a focus on you know on actually like hey how do we think about because like for a while the games industry has always i think you know it's it's always been kind of this mystical like how do you get a job in games right i know that's like, like like anybody external from the games industry that i tell works in the games industry they're like oh my kid is really interested like how do they get started how do they do this and the thing is is like i i don't actually really know what that answer is, <laughs> you yeah. know, even for like, most of it is like, you kind of have to know the right people or talk to someone or do an internship or something, which is like very generic for like every kind of industry. But yeah, there's not, it feels like there's not like a lot of good, clear pipelines on like how you get into the industry. But I think we will benefit as an industry at large if we can do that, right? Like yeah, if we can 100%. actually increase yeah. this and, and start to make it so that, hey, we are we are getting people and pointing people in the right direction. We are able to get talent because I think we're going to continue to compete, especially if we're in a world where the games industry is is sort of moving into like straight head-to-head competition with tech. Yeah. I think that like we, you know, like we're like, cause tech is also growing, right? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like, you know, like we're going to need to be like, how are we going head to head with the Googles and the Facebooks and, and the, you know, and, and those types of groups and, and what are we thinking about for our pipelines to be able to, to yeah. do that? Cause they're going to be competing for our talent as well. Um, yeah. And so, you know, anyway, that's a, that's maybe a, a future, another future. Yeah. Yeah. Another future episode. <laughs> But, you know, overall, it was, you know, I think GDC was a was was a great opportunity to sort of um, uh, have a lot of these conversations. And it was it was great for me to be able to to actually do a bunch of in-person meetings. And even though I had a had a had a laptop snafu during my talk and had to like <laughs> hunt down another laptop in order to do it, um, you know, I will uh, hopefully when it's out on the vault, people can check it out. But I, my, my talk was on um, 
uh, managing growth and change for your studio. So it was in the kind of business and management track, um, which which hopefully, or production and management track, I think. And so um, hopefully it'll provide some interesting insights for people as well. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm definitely happy with, with the conversations I had out at GDC and it was similar to kind of what I was expecting and sort of feeling, but it was just interesting to get all of the different perspectives from folks yeah. um, that I talked to out there, so. Yeah. Yeah, I really, this was one of the best GDCs I think I've had, you know, even even though it was very different for me, you know, like we didn't do a mega booth showcase and I'm in this kind of, uh, yeah, new new phase of my work and my career and all that. It was really, yeah, it, it was really great. It was good to see people. It just, yeah, it felt like there was a lot of energy that I haven't seen in the industry in a while. You know, I feel like uh, right before the pandemic, it's it's not like it was, it was bad. It just felt like kind of a grind, you know, or that there just was yeah. like... It's a lot of the same kind of things and okay we're on this schedule and we do this and we do that and just like a lot of renewed creativity and energy and conversation and um yeah it, it was it was really like uh filled my cup you know to it was be good. able to like it was to, an optimistic gdc it was yeah, yeah it was yeah. very you don't we don't always get those sometimes we no. don't but this <laughs> yeah. was definitely an optimistic one That was a really great conversation on uh, GDC 2022 and all of the big topics that the industry is talking about right now. Um, we definitely got ourselves some good content for some future episodes yes. in here. Um, I definitely uh, had a great time at GDC. It was nice to see you in person because it's been a while. Yeah, um, we yeah. were able to actually hang out and get dinner, um, which was which was really great. And because that was kind of the genesis of this podcast was like some of the conversations that you and I have had at places like GDC over yeah. over our past. Um, so so that was really exciting. Um, and uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna try to do a prediction. Um, so we, you can you can start with your prediction here, which is will we ever have another in person E three. So I, was thinking I know it's, about I know it's not GDC related, but yeah, you know, yeah. it's part of as yeah. part of the conversation we ended up talking a lot about kind of future future um, shows and things like that. So. Yeah. So I was thinking about this, and I I think okay. So this is what I think is going to happen: is that I think this year they're going to think about what they want to do and what they are, and the industry is going to think about it, and then it's going to come back as like E four. <laughs> Like they're gonna oh, they're nice. gonna reboot it as or like e three redux or what something. would be the fourth e it's supposed to be the electronics entertainment expo extra <laughs> there you go so I, I think it's gonna come i think it'll come back with some sort of rebranding or like do over or like refresh or something it's gonna be like like what was what was when they did the new batman movies you know it's like the gritty reboot this yeah, is gonna, that's what you think it's going to be. Not not quite the gritty reboot, but I think it's going to be <laughs> e, E3, the reboot, you know, with Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, um, uh, it's interesting. Like, I don't know, I, I sort of feel like, I, I think the in-person E3s might be done. Um, I think that there might be more of a focus on getting, the, the awards have started to matter less and less, kind of doing the judging ahead of time. Um, yeah. And I think that, I think what we're going to end up with is more, potentially something somewhat similar to kind of like the game awards or like a whole series of things that are kind of done digitally and just streamed um, is my guess. Maybe there is still some small in-person thing, but... Unless they can really, I think, 
make it a valuable consumer event, I think it's really hard to think that it will be in person yeah. um, going forward. At least not at the scale that we've seen, right? Like the, some of these booths that are that are costing you know hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah, I think yeah, just yeah. Don't, won't they won't do that for an industry focused show. Like that's not a thing you see at GDC, which is sad because I love seeing the giant hilarious booths and stuff. I know, um, I know. So I'm, I'll be I'll be sad that that if that's the case, but I also feel like it's just hard to justify. It's hard for the yeah. it's hard for the the studios and for the um, for the publishers and stuff to justify that kind of expense when they know that they can reach their audiences by putting on a press conference which is also not cheap right yeah, like yeah. you know i think wasn't there like a you know, i'm trying to think of some of the crazier things i saw in some of the xbox shows where they had like you know they, they bring like a car on stage and stuff like that right yeah, so yeah. um you know that stuff takes takes time so that's that's my gut um i think that that's where we'll end up which which will be sad because i i will i will miss some of those crazier but you know incredible well, boots that were put yeah and I, I think that's kind of what the problem was with e3 and the lead up to is just like what is the value proposition for the companies that are spending like literally millions of dollars to build mm -hmm. these gigantic booths um you know like what what are they getting out of that if they could just do it themselves i feel like you had a real answer <laughs> <laughs> well no i mean i, I, I think, think my, I, it, I, yeah it might have my, my answer might happen <laughs> well i mean I, I think your answer is pretty there, there's definitely a, a realistic chance that i mean there's going to be some rethinking of what's next right like yeah. there's going to be i think it doesn't come back without some pretty hefty changes yeah um, I so agree. i do think yeah. your answer is probably pretty yeah. legit yeah um, it, it was like uh, it, it was kind of hobbling along you know for the last few years and trying to figure out what it was right exactly and it's a, it sort of in that weird in between state of like is it a consumer show is it not yeah. i think developers weren't really sure what to do with it either yeah. so um so yeah. it'll be interesting to see i think what 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 ends up being the case but we'll find out next year for sure yes. um you know we won't have it this year um, yeah so with that uh where you know where can we send people to check out all of our stuff yeah, so we have a cool Twitter account, which you should join, and uh, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, um, we have the newsletter, uh, which also has links to like articles and um, kind of industry things around the discussions that we had uh, for each week, so you can sign up for that uh, through Substack. Uh, I think hopefully we'll be putting up like a website page and stuff soon, I'm, I'm kind of working on, on that component of it, so we'll have that up there. Uh, and you could also email us with any questions. Um, I guess to put a plug in for uh, for things that we did at GDC, if you want to watch the recording of the IGF Awards, you can find that on the GDC Twitch channel. Um, I'm Kelly Wallach on basically everything. Um, <laughs> and Seth, you said yours is going to be up. Your talk will be up on the uh, on the vault as well as the panel, right? Yep. Yeah, both of those will be available. Um, my talk was called Company Respec, um, and it's about managing growth and change in your studio. And then the other one was um, was basically, I think it was just called like, I can't remember. It had some pithy title, but it was basically panel. a Web three panel, right? Yeah. Um, if, I'm sure if you I'm sure if you look for it, it as part of the free to play summit, um, and I know that that was recorded. So yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that about wraps it up. And I just want to give a big shout out to the label who's been uh, supporting the podcast and helping us out and letting us answer the big questions in games. So thanks to the folks at the label. And uh, yeah. we will see you next month. Bye, everybody. All right. Thanks. Bye.